Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. He konai purangi tēnei nā te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. Kia ora and welcome back. This journey started with one of the dumbest questions I've ever heard grace the title of a podcast. Did Titanic sink? That's the question my friend Carlo has been grappling with for years. And he's investigated it with seemingly every moment of his free time. The man travelled to Belfast to look at the ship's blueprints in person. But it turns out his theory that it didn't sink has actually got some legs. Over the last four episodes, Carlo has brought some really amazing evidence to support his narrative of what happened to Titanic. And how? And even why? It turns out there were some very rich people who could have benefited from this disaster. So now we've got the motive, the means, and the opportunity for Carlo's alleged conspiracy that they switched the Titanic with the Olympic and intended to sink it on purpose. But what I can't wrap my head around is how they could have gotten away with it. At the end of the last episode, Carlo did have this to say. It was investigated, Tim. It was investigated twice. The thing is, the two investigations were very politically motivated and I would argue very biased public inquiries. And I can prove it. Well, let's check it out. This is Did Titanic Sink? Hey Carlo. Tim. How you doing, man? Yeah, I'm good, man. I'm having a great time. Can I say? Yeah, I'm so glad. I'm so glad that you travelled all the way from Australia to join me in this completely windowless room to talk about a maritime disaster that happened 100 years ago. Me too, man. Okay, so who held these two investigations? Well, let's start with the first one. That makes sense, right? (laughs) Sure. Yeah, so the first one is the US Senate inquiry. This happens four days after the events on the Titanic. That seems like a pretty high-powered political body to be investigating this. Yes, and the reason is who was the instigator in this. So when the Titanic initially hit the iceberg, people thought everyone was saved. Like, there are newspaper articles from the time saying everyone was safe. However, a day later is when the Carpathia comes in range of some of these long-range transmitters and starts to tell people the events of what's happened. Basically, 1,500 people are dead. And at that point... President Taft gets a little bit interested. Okay, I guess that makes sense. There's a lot of Americans, presumably, on a like transatlantic journey. Yes, but that's not the only reason he was interested. Because one of the passengers on board the Titanic was a guy named Major Archibald Butt. And he was one of the president's friends. He was also his military aide. An incredible name. It is incredible. Just when you thought Archibald couldn't get any better, you chuck a major on the front and Butt on the end. Yeah, and Major Butt is one of the really larger-than-life figures on board the Titanic. And he kind of comes across in certainly some of the witness reports of him as being a bit of a legend. I mean, here's one of the witnesses' accounts for the last time they saw Major Butt alive. 
He became as one in supreme command. You would have thought he was at a White House reception. So cool and calm was he. When the time came, he was a man to be feared. In one of the earlier boats, 50 women, it seemed, were about to be lowered when a man suddenly, panic-stricken, ran to the stern of it. Major Butt shot one arm out, caught him by the neck, and jerked him backward like a pillow. His head cracked against a rail, and he was stunned. Sorry, said Major Butt. Women will be attended to first, or I'll break every damp bone in your body. Major Butt escorted me to a seat in the bow. He helped me find a space, arranged my clothing about me, stood erect, doffed his hat, and smiled and said goodbye. And then he stepped back to the deck, already awash. As we rode away, we looked back, and the last I saw of him, he was smiling and waving his hand to me. This guy sounds like a stone-cold legend. Yeah, and you can see why the president was so affected by this guy's death, because that's what changes. These two Navy ships, they come out to meet the Carpathia, and they radio across and they say, hey, is Major Bud on board? And they say, I'm really sorry, he died. And so that gets back to President Taff, and he is destroyed. There are these accounts that he just went into this complete despondency. He had lost a very, very dear friend. And this is what plants the seeds for the Senate inquiry, because they were determined that somebody was going to answer for this event. And I think Taft, he really wanted to know who killed his friend. Of course. So Senator Smith, who's a US senator, he proposes an immediate inquiry into the Titanic sinking. And there's a little bit of a question of, can they even subpoena non-American citizens to testify at this thing? And Taft is like, you can subpoena whoever the hell you want. You're going to find out who did this. He went John Wick on this thing. Yeah, yeah, he... He went taken, you know, like he had one small set of skills and they were calling a Senate inquiry. So four days after the event, the Carpathian has only been back in dock for like 48 hours and the passengers are just starting to recover. They call the inquiry. They're so paranoid that people like Bruce Ismay are going to go back to the US that they hold it right there and then in a hotel in New York. Like we're sorting this out right now. The first person that they call is Bruce Ismay, the owner of White Star Lines, and he very much becomes the villain of the US Senate inquiry. And of James Cameron's movie, Many Years Later. Exactly, and this is a big theme of US interpretation of this event, which is that Bruce Ismay is this villain. You know, they even make him look like a villain. You know, they've even cast him as a villain in the Titanic film, like with this big twirly moustache, and at one point he's wearing a, a, a top hat, you know? Totally, and wasn't he like the bad guy in Jumanji the year yeah, yeah. before it came out? Yeah, exactly. He looks like the kind of guy that's going to tie someone to the train tracks. You know, he's a cartoonish villain. And just to be clear, this is the guy who's the chairman for White Star Line, the company that is owned by the company that is owned by JP Morgan. Exactly. Okay. And the US very much wants to focus on who is to blame. They do come up with some findings about there weren't enough lifeboats and the speed was too much, etc. But really, they're zeroed in on Ismay and they go hard at saying that it's his fault. And this is where the rumours start to begin that Ismay was pressuring Captain Smith to travel at a fast speed. And this is what made it into the film. You know, there's this whole scene where he's like, oh, but, you know, we could get into New York Harbour a day early. And he's- yeah, man, they made him into a real jerk. He was like 
I respect what you're doing, Captain, but we can make a big flashy show of getting there a day early and shock everyone on the other side. Yeah, and there's no evidence that that ever happened. In fact, a lot of the accounts from survivors of the Titanic say that Bruce Esme was very actively helping people and helping the crew load people onto lifeboats. And it just got to a point where there was a lifeboat that had empty seats and it was near the end of the sinking and he got on. Tell you what, that Jim Cameron did him dirty. Yeah, well, but this is a really big theme of this inquiry. As I said... The U.S. Senate inquiry finds that, yes, there weren't enough lifeboats, yes, the ship was travelling too fast, but they also put all the blame on White Star Lines and Bruce Ismay for those two things. Hmm. They're very much to blame. Now, the thing about this inquiry is they weren't so concerned in what actually happened to the ship. You know, they don't really ask any of those questions. And four days is really not any time to build up any kind of case. You know, there's no evidence. They're not talking to any engineers or anybody not involved directly in the sinking. They're just talking to people who were there. Yeah, who are they talking to during the Senate inquiry? They're talking to people like the captains of other ships, notably not the captains of the SS Parisian and Antillian. They're talking to survivors. They're talking to passengers. And this is one thing that the US Senate inquiry does a lot better than the British one is that it calls a lot of passengers from first, from second, from third class to really get a whole picture of the thing. Now, a month later, while the US Senate inquiry is still going, the British inquiry starts up. But they already have a very strong motive which is they need to take the blame off White Star Lines. And the reason for that is the guy who's appointed in charge of this commission, Lord Mersey, and a lot of the people who are involved in this are all maritime people. They all have connections to the maritime industry. And one of the big criticisms of the British inquiry that's held is that they were really focused on trying to absolve maritime interests from blame and find another scapegoat. So you're saying the British inquiry, which to its credit was held much longer after the incident so they could properly prepare arguments and investigations, it was still being run by someone who was deeply connected to the shipping industry, not an independent person at all, someone who had a vested interest in making sure nothing major changed. That's right, yeah. I wouldn't say deeply connected, but certainly connected. Okay, and that's the case for everybody involved in this, from the attorneys through to the solicitors, through everybody involved, have some connection. And is that weird, or is it just like it's the 1910s, everyone's in shipping? It, it's not really weird, no. It's, but it is something that I feel undermines the integrity of this commission. And, and we'll see that, because again, this inquiry is not focused on finding out what happened. Just imagine if you were there at the time, Carlo. They really could have used a straight shooter like you. Well, you don't have to imagine, Tim, because now it's time to take you back to 1912. What? Here we are, Tim. We're going to be hearing the testimony of one of the most interesting characters of this inquiry. That's Captain Stanley Lord. You can hear him now. I only saw one. You only saw one. The third officer said he saw two. Where are we? We're back in 1912, Tim. Now, that's important. Well, it's very important because the Titanic would have two. Yes, that's it. Two masthead lights. You only saw one. But the third officer said he saw two. And the second officer said he saw one. Very well, we'll hear their accounts from them. I'm sorry, sorry to interrupt you, but it's not satisfactory to me. When was it the third officer said he saw two lights? The third officer by this time was below. I do not know what you're talking about now. When was it the third officer told you he had seen the two lights? Before 12 o'clock. Before 12 o'clock. Before midnight. At the time I saw one, he saw two. 
That was our friend Guy Montgomery, and I'm pretty sure the other two voices were Wallace Chapman and Kim Hill. No, Tim, we're in 1912. We've travelled back in time. Okay. I had a I had a breakfast of jellied eels and a tumble-tum-tum on my head. I don't think you know what time you're trying to be in right now. 1912, Tim, all right? So this inquiry that's happening right now is them talking to Captain Lord. Captain Lord becomes the British patsy for this. Ismay is the villain of the US inquiry. Captain Lord, he becomes the villain of the British inquiry. And Captain Lord's the captain of the California, right? That's right. The ship that watched Titanic sink without intervening. Right. Were you on deck when he told you this? He told me the following day, I think. I, I, I do not think it was mentioned that night. He told you the next day that he had seen two white lights when on deck around 12 o'clock. Yes, two masthead lights. Will you tell us what he said to you next day about these two lights? I asked him the next day or the following day, I, I don't remember exactly, it's so long ago, how many lights the ship had. And he said two. I remarked that I only saw one. Why did you ask him how many there were? I was trying to locate the ship that was supposed to be between us and the Titanic. Were you in doubt as to whether you'd seen one or two lights? I had not myself. Well, the, I can't understand why you should ask him how many lights he had seen if yourself had no doubt whatever about it. If he did see two lights, it must have been the Titanic, must it not? It does not follow. Do you know any other vessel it could have been? Any amount. Which, I mean, at this particular time, in this particular spot, can you suggest any other vessel it could have been? Well... I do not know. Carrying two lights. That particular spot? The spot mentioned here is 19 miles away is not, in my opinion, where the Titanic hit the berg. Now, Lord really gets pilloried by the British Board of Trades inquiry. They throw the book at him. They just hammer and hammer and hammer and hammer this guy about the fact that he didn't go to rescue. Within a radius of 20 miles of you? No, 30 miles. Do you mean she was further from you? She was 32 miles from where I left the record. Has the third officer ever expressed any opinion to you that it was the Titanic he saw? No, my lord. Never? Never. I must put this to you. Do you remember about a quarter past 11 on that night, that's the night of the 14th, his telling you that he had noticed a steamer, that is the third officer, Mr Groves? No, I do not. A steamer... About three points above the starboard being 10 to 12 miles away. No, I do not. Did you ask about her lights? Not then. At any time. What they don't do, though, is they don't investigate the fact that there are these two other ships that are meant to be there, you know? And Captain Lord keeps saying, I saw other ships. Like, I'm telling you, there was another ship there. And they keep going, oh, sure, this imaginary ship, this big old imaginary ship. Let's get to why you didn't save 1,500 people. And he keeps saying, please, just look into this thing. No. Uh, a quarter to 12 was the first time I ever mentioned anything to him about the steamer. That I recollect. Did he say to you... That she was evidently a passenger steamer? No. And did you say to him, the only passenger steamer near us is the Titanic? I might have said that with regard to the steamer, but he did not say the steamer was a passenger steamer. You might have said what? The Titanic. What about the Titanic? The Titanic we were in communication with. That's not what I put, you know. No, it's not what he said. That's a very different thing. Well, you said, according to your statement, the Titanic is the only passenger steamer near us. I mean, you said that to him? She was. But you said it to him? I do not recollect saying it. 
You've just told me you did say it. Do collect your mind. Did you say it? I do not recollect saying it. Did you know of any other passenger steamer near you except the Titanic? I did not. But you knew the Titanic was not far from you? I had no idea where the Titanic was. But you'd been in communication with it? Yes. I had never had its position. Did you tell him to call her up with a morse lamp? I did not. He had already called her up. I do not know whether you are going to leave it here. Ah, no. I'm I'm going to call other evidence about it. I mean with this witness. No, I'm not going to leave it. Who was Mr Stone? And look, he's not a great witness, Tim. He obviously realised he'd made a mistake and he's trying to cover it. But it still doesn't justify the fact of how hard they went after this guy. They really tarnished his reputation. He went to his grave swearing there had to have been at least two other ships. And there's evidence that there was, but no one ever investigated it. It's the same as the fire, Tim. Remember we heard about it before? Yeah. When they didn't want to talk about it? That's these same people. They've got evidence in their hands that there was a fire that severely affected Titanic's safety apparatus, and they don't look into it. It's highly politicised, this inquiry. They want somebody to take the blame for it, and they don't want it to be them. The second officer. And it was he who relieved Mr Groats? Yes, at 10 minutes past 12. Do you know whether the steamer was pointed out by Mr Stone to Mr Groats? He told me afterwards that she was. And that it was a passenger steamer? I never heard that. That he had said that it was a passenger steamer? I never heard that. And there he goes again. He's deliberately contradicting what he just said. You do not give answers that please me at present. You said just now as plainly as possible that you answered the third officer, I think it was, and said the only passenger steamer near us is the Titanic. I mean, you suggest now that you do not remember whether you said that or not. I do not recollect saying anything to him about it, my lord. Could you have just forgotten such a thing? Well, I've heard so many stories about the Titanic since that I I really do not know what I heard that night. But that would be rather important matter, would it not, if you thought the steamer that was approaching you was the Titanic? I never thought it. I saw a steamer. Well, this is exactly what you said. I might have said that the only passenger steamer likely to be near us is... The Titanic. You might have said that. That is what you said before. That's right, is it not? I might have said it. I do not recollect it. You're saying both the Americans and the British hold their own separate massive inquiries. Neither of them are actually interested in getting to the bottom of what happened. They just want to get some scapegoats and move the heck on. That's basically it, Tim. They only called two passengers before this inquiry. Lady and Lord Cosmo Duff Gordon. Oh my God. That is right up there with Major Archibald Butt. Yeah, these are two first-class passengers, and I have to say they have the most first-class names. They're the only passengers called. And they're not called because they've heard some pertinent information about what the officers were doing or what transpired on board the Titanic. They're called because there's an allegation that they paid the crew to launch a lifeboat early and it left with just 10 people. So again, they're calling them there for more scapegoats. This is what they want the media to focus on. They want them to focus on these big villain characters and not on these actual important things like why the hell was this fire burning for so long and nothing was done about it? Who would have thought two separate government inquiries didn't do what they were supposed to do? Did you know the steamer had stopped from 11.40, whatever she was? I know she stopped around half past 11. I think you did see your third officer signalling with a morse lamp from the bridge. I did. And... 
that he got no reply. He got no reply. Did it strike you as a curious thing that he got no reply? Did you think about that at all? I did. It did not strike me as being very strange. You knew, of course, you were amongst ice. Yes. And that the other vessel might also be amongst ice. Yes. It's it's so frustrating at times, Tim, to read back through these transcripts. These are over a thousand pages long, but they're so obsessed with finding one particular thing instead of just trying to find out how this sank. You would think if you found out there was a fire that possibly damaged one of the bulkheads, you would call people like engineers or the builders of this ship who were all at that point still alive to talk about how that could have impacted the Titanic sinking. But they didn't. Because as far as they were concerned, once there was a clear person to blame... That was all they needed to do. And sure, the results of this inquiry led to them increasing lifeboats and led to better safety at sea. And it even led to there being an ice patrol form that would start looking for icebergs in the North Atlantic Ocean. Those are all great things that came out of it. But really, at its core, it's a very deeply flawed series of inquiries, both of them, the US and the British one, because they are so solidly focused on attributing blame rather than really trying to delve into what actually happened. Gentlemen, I think you'd better leave the court of present. Carlo, I say this from the bottom of my heart. You seem really worked up, and it is a crying shame you couldn't have been prosecuting the case in either of these inquiries. Look, Tim, I wish I was there. There are so many questions I would love to ask. But when it comes to this conspiracy, this is why I think no one would ever need to talk, because... The plan never came to fruition, right? They lit a fire deliberately to sink a ship slowly and get everybody rescued. Now, in that case, people who had worked on this ship, of course they're going to step forward and say, hey, we switched these ships. Or people who are involved in the conspiracy may feel some pang of guilt, right? Because it's an out-and-out conspiracy. But this is an accident. It hit an iceberg and that caused a massive loss of life. So for all intents and purposes, for everyone observing this, this isn't what they wanted to happen. It's just a case of a complete freak accident versus a malicious intent. And in this case, it was the accident won out. Carlo, I am equal measures impressed, quite amazed with obviously how much research you've done over the years to get you to this point. And even though I sort of hate to admit it, I feel like I am getting swept up in what you've been describing. Like, this feels like an enormous injustice. Even if the conspiracy didn't happen exactly the way that you're painting it, some serious stuff went wrong on all ends of the Titanic, including the inquiry. I think I'm starting to come around to your way of thinking. I think it's totally natural to feel the way you feel about discovering that what you thought you knew could be a lie. So, Tim, I think you're finally ready to hear what really happened. We're going to go all the way back to the start and answer the question, did Titanic sink? That's going to have to wait till the next episode. Well, listener, it's that time again. Time for me to attempt to test my sanity by bringing on a friendly comedian to check what they made of the episode. Hello, Angela Dravid. Hi, Tim Bat. Hello, Angela Augusta Dravid. <laughs> Hello, uh, Carlo Ritchie. So, Angela... Mm-hmm. You've listened to this fifth episode of Did Titanic Sink? Yeah. What did you think of the episode? Um, I was very confused because it just sounded like a crazy inquiry that was quite boring. You got it. <laughs> so you're coming into this um, without having heard any of the other episodes. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Perfect way to listen to the podcast, in my opinion. <laughs> 
Let's tell you the way we planned the listeners. We wanted them to listen to five, then go back to one, then jump into three and four, then two for the context. Oh, great. Let us attempt to reset a little bit here. So, Angela, what this is all centred around is um, Carlo's obsession with the Titanic. And through the course of learning so much about it, he believes that he has gained some special knowledge, which has not been recorded in the history books. And that is that some very wealthy people sunk a ship that they were calling the Titanic, but was in fact the Titanic's sister ship called the Olympic, which got involved in a prank and got uh, very damaged. So they switched them up, did an insurance job, lit a fire in the coal bunker, and then set it off so that hopefully it would sink quite slowly into the Atlantic Ocean and they'd be able to get all the passengers off but claim their insurance payout, but it accidentally struck an iceberg and the whole thing went terribly wrong. That would make a way better movie. Right? The stakes are so much higher. It's like the producers, but on the sea. (laughs) Yeah, it is. It's like they tried to build the worst possible, most sinkable ship for profit. Yeah. It backfired, though, when it sank in a completely other way. So we're saying that it didn't sink or it did sink? Carlo is claiming that a ship sunk, but that it wasn't the Titanic. Right. And the inquiry was to see if there was another ship in the in the vicinity that could have rescued them. The inquiry was covering a lot of things. It was covering, you know, why weren't there enough lifeboats, what happened. It was basically trying to work out what happened on the night. But really, it ended up focusing very much on trying to apportion blame to somebody. Oh, I had one question. Um, what was the deal with Major Archibald? But was he gay? Yeah, it's a really interesting, like, a lot of people think that he was. And, in fact, he had been sent by the president to go to France on a holiday, basically. The president was like, you need to go over there. And he took the guy that he lived with, who some people think was his romantic partner. They went together to France for this holiday, and they were coming back together on the Titanic, and both of them didn't survive. Was President Taft the big one? There's a fun fact about this president. Do you remember what it is? Oh, I don't know. I just know that President Obama's chef made heaps of pies. And when Obama found out, he said, please don't make any more pies, otherwise I'll turn out like President Taft. (laughs) (laughs) So Taft notoriously got stuck in a bathtub in the White House (laughs) while he was serving as president. And I don't know 100% if it's an apocryphal tale or, or if it is like historical and definitely happened, but I'm just... Much like Carlo, I'm choosing to believe this version of history because it brings me a lot of satisfaction to imagine the most powerful man in the world getting trapped by a bathtub. Angela, what is your broad opinion on conspiracy theories? Like, how do you feel about them at large? It's so strange because everyone grows up with a set of experiences that molds them into thinking of the world in a particular way. So I do understand that conspiracy theories have a reason to exist because someone's experiences might shape the way that they look at things. But sometimes that's also mental illness. Um, And there's a difference between the two, like one's rooted in logic and past experience and the other can be completely random. It's good and bad. Like I think Jesus could have been a conspiracy theory. He probably started off as a really nice man, but then it elevated to he also rose from the dead Some of that must have been truth. Some of that must have been mental illness as well. Are you a person of faith, Angela? Do you believe in any particular religious um, things? Not really, no. 
I think that's probably the plight of most religious kids as they grow up really believing it. And I went really hardcore. I converted half my school to Christianity when the Y2K happened. Because <laughs> you told them that was the that was the solution? No, I was told in church that you had to convert people because um, Satan was coming to earth and was going to kill us. So your church was telling you that Y2K was going to be the coming of the devil? Yeah. Like like Judgment Day? They were evangelists, yeah. Wow. And what happened on the 2nd of January 2000 at your church? The 2nd of January, nothing happened. No one talked about it, and I asked if I could change schools. <laughs> Did you really? <laughs> it was too religious now. I was like, I'm going to get bullied so much. Mum, can I please go to Manirewa High School? <laughs> and? And I did. And let me tell you, I got bullied still. <laughs> <laughs> and Carlo, if evidence comes out to prove that the recorded version of history is correct, what's your version of going to a different high school? Are you going to Because this is a podcast. <laughs> this is going out to the world. Do you now have to change your name or what? Just keep an eye out for season two, which is how Titanic sank. <laughs> Angela, I've known you for a long time and you seem like someone who's pretty suspicious of those in power. I think we've learnt rich men in power are capable of doing quite bad things. So I don't think that's out of the question. I think like a rich man in power could easily kill hundreds of lives if it were to save him quite a bit of money. Um, I don't think that's questionable. I just feel like when you do that, you have to buy off every single other person involved in the chain of events afterwards, which if you're going to do a sunk cost fallacy, like that's the sunk cost is that you're constantly spending money to shut people up down the line. That is so true. It's like it becomes very expensive to lie very quickly when it's something that big. Yeah. But then Jeffrey Epstein as well. I'm like that went undercover for so long. The only reason why it came out is because of efficiency of information. And those days, it wouldn't have been that way. It would have been through newspapers, which would have come out by one person who was probably good friends with JP Morgan. There's more biases in media those days than there are now. Yeah, and also, in many ways, he didn't really need to pay anybody off because the so-called Titanic sank by accident. Angela Dravid... Based on this episode of incredibly information-dense material gleaned from a historical official inquiry, in your opinion, did Titanic sink? Oh, did the Titanic sink? Historically, yes. I'm going to go benefit of the doubt with Carlo. I genuinely don't know what you're basing that on, Angela, um, but I think that's a very kind thing to do in a call with Carlo himself. Just imagine I'm not here, Angela, and just you answer the question. Oh. You go with your heart. Follow the road of your heart. Okay, so I think people should practice critical thinking. And if there is someone who says, I think there are other facts available, I think you should look into it. The Titanic sink. Um, sometimes history gets it wrong. A ship did sink. It could be the Olympic if new evidence came about. Thanks very much for being on the podcast, Angela. <laughs> Thanks so much, Angela. No problem. Did Titanic Sink is written and produced by myself, Tim Bat, and Carlo Ritchie. The executive producers are Tim Watkin and Justin Gregory. Katie Gossett is the associate producer for RNZ. All episodes were directed by Chelsea Preston Crayford, with audio engineering by Blair Stagpole. And original music by Eilish Wilson, Hikorangi Scarverian Carr, and Phoebe Johnson. With additional voicing from Guy Montgomery, Wallace Chapman, and Kim Hill. 
with special guest Angela Dravid. Inquiry transcripts courtesy of the Titanic Inquiry Project. Marconi Graham transcripts courtesy of Sean Collin. This project would not be possible without the work of the Titanic Inquiry Project. Subscribe to Did Titanic Sync on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio or wherever you listen. If you enjoyed it, tell a friend. And if you didn't, tell an enemy. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.